You're listening to Sascapes, a podcast featuring the stories of arts, culture, and heritage in Saskatchewan. summer of 2015 will most certainly be one for Saskatchewan's history books. Forest fires ravaged our northern region. At its worst, over 220 fires raged, and currently there are still over 100 fires burning. Over 8,000 residents of the north were evacuated, and even though at the time of this episode approximately 1,000 residents are returning to their homes with the all-clear announcement, the majority are still living in makeshift shelters and hotels far from their homes. I'm Kevin Power. Join me as I visit one of these shelters, which has become affectionately known as Res Cross. My first guest has got to be one of the most upbeat and positive young men you could imagine, given his circumstances. My second guest is on the front lines, providing the much-needed mental health support during this trying time. My final guest is a counselor with the Beardies and Okamasa's First Nation, which is where this episode was recorded. None of this amazing support comes without dozens of volunteers working around the clock to ensure that these evacuees are made as comfortable as possible. But this kind of supportive atmosphere represents how daily life is at Beardies. It's the Indian way, a giving of oneself that is to be admired and emulated. My name is Clarence Morin, and I'm from Hall Lake, Saskatchewan. And we're currently on Beardy's Reserve near Duck Lake. So how far is home from here for you? Um, around here, it's probably about 280 kilometers away from home. And how long ago were you evacuated from your home? Um, by now, we were nine days evacuated. How are you feeling nine days into this? Um, I actually don't feel as homesick as I used to when I, the first time I got evacuated, because, um, the first time, it wasn't like any of this, and everything here is different from the first time, and they said they'd make us feel at home, and basically we are at home, so. So the first time meaning you've been evacuated from, for forest fires before? Yeah, and the fire was the same distance as right now, which was five kilometers, but um, today they have it contained, and just recently I heard from my community it's clear out there and it's raining, so that's good. Do you know the state of your home right now? Is everything secure? Everything by now is uh, safe. We're not at risk. It's just a smoke that makes a, a health risk for like elders and babies and other people who have like chronic issues. And when you were evacuated, was that the main reason, again, why you were evacuated was because of the smoke, or could you actually see the, the flames and cringing on, on your hometown? Um, we actually didn't see the flames because the fire was, um, well, 
First, the fire was started on the opposite side of the community. There was about six man-made fires, but they put those out. But then there was one by the the old Peterson store we have by the Hall Lake Junction. That's called the Stowers Fire, and um, that was about five kilometers away at first. And a couple of days, it was approaching by um, it approached by three kilometers, and that was a really big risk to us. But um, miraculously it was calmed down we were able to put a fire guard around the community and um sprinklers just in case it got to the homes and um uh basically right now um the condition of our home is um safe i guess that's very good how many in your family are here i say about uh over 10 i guess Oh, wow. But uh, some of them took off because um, they didn't feel like comfortable here. There was too much people. Uh-huh. But um, for me, I actually feel comfortable here. It's better than uh, it's better than being anywhere else anyway. Because right. this is like this is probably the best suggestion I could take for a evacuation center. So, what are you doing with yourself during the day? What are some of the highlights of being around here? I guess the highlights are um, socializing with other people, like. Um, just getting to know them them getting to know me and basically with all these um the highlights of some days were djing on the radio and uh doing some major interviews and i i gotta say those were pretty good (laughs) you've done some djing on the local radio here yeah uh 103.3 sh uh or ch something little bear fm Okay, and that's the reserve radio station? Uh, yeah, it reaches up to one arrow, McDowell, and um, if it's a clear day, it'll reach to the city. And that's wow. a far radius. Right. So, was that your first time doing DJing? Uh, yeah, and the first time I did it, I was actually kind of nervous, but um, but then I got, the, I got the hang of it. And um, I actually did it for like a few days, and then... Sometimes I couldn't do it because I had these interviews, and um, so far I've done interviews with CBC, CTV, Global National, News Talk Radio, CBC Radio, and 103.3 FM. You've become a media star. Uh, I guess you could say that. (laughs) Probably more people have heard from you and about you than you would have imagined in your life so far. Yeah, I can't. Um, I can't imagine the amount of people who would know my name. I guess, and um, I guess it's kind of nerve-wracking knowing uh, how much people have heard my name on the news or seen me, and and if I get noticed, and I don't know. It's just I don't think of myself as like a famous person. I just right. I just know myself as a well. I just think of myself as a well-known interviewed evacuee yeah. or something <laughs> does it feel like your privacy is being invaded at all when people are descending upon you and asking you to talk about who you are and what your life is like do you do you sometimes wish people would just kind of disappear and leave you alone or do you like it um actually i really do enjoy it like if somebody comes up to me and asks a question i'll answer it like i'll answer it generally and as specific as i can but um but I won't turn away any question that I'm asked because, um, well, basically, I used to be like that before I came here. But um, I decided to put them. Um, well, I'm kind of uh, thought of as a Hall Lake spokesman, like for all of my community. Uh-huh. So um, I was actually waiting for somebody to be that leader. 
But I was like, wait a minute, why don't I put the leadership in my own hands? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, basically, all these interviews, I spoke for my community, I spoke for people here, and um, I told a nice story that's popular, I guess. Which is that? Um, it's called The Letter in the Pants. That's what, that's what I titled it. <laughs> basically, how it started is um, I was running out of clothes, mm-hmm. and... Um, I was trying to find a clean set of clothes so I could take a shower. So I went to the donation section in the front there. Uh-huh. And right at the ending, there's a men's section. And um, I was sorting through pants and, you know, like shirts and stuff. And I found some good shirts, shorts, underwear. And then I found this uh, set of pants that I like. So I grabbed that. I went to the showers. I did my thing. And um, I was putting my items back in my pocket. And um, basically... I found this note in my pocket. Actually, you got it with me. <laughs> and it says... I know the first part. Greetings, my name is Darwin Gardapi. I wanted you all to know that we are worried about you all at the soccer center. I think this is meant for Saskatoon, but... Uh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So. But that's okay. <laughs> um, Facebook is getting the word out about your plight. I have many resources in Saskatoon, not monetary, but knowledge and compassion that I can share with you and your family contact me i will go and visit you yeah i wish you all of the creator's blessings wow and right as soon as i seen this note like i got choked up i couldn't i couldn't say anything basically when i was out in the front so i showed everybody and they were just like call him contact him yeah and i reached out on uh, social media and um i couldn't well he didn't see my message but um i guess uh one of the coordinators here serena she made the phone call, and I guess he came down the same day she made that phone call. So we met up, um, we shook hands, and we actually hugged it out because of how much this meant to me. Yeah, no kidding. And um, we went to the store, we grabbed a couple um, drinks, well, pop, and um, we came back here, and after all that session, we didn't shut up. <laughs> we just we just kept talking. We are just, like, really good friends. And we actually did a radio interview the same day. And, um, like, we told the story. He told his side of the story, which was um, he's been in this situation before where he's had, um, basically, he has, he's um, had nothing. So he was waiting for the chance to give back, and this was his chance. So he gave back. He donated clothes in Saskatoon, Prince Albert, here. And out of all the people who could get that pants, I got it. <laughs> and yeah. um, basically, the moral of that story is... Um, one gesture can make a person's day, month, or even year, if they think about it. No kidding. And basically, what I want to say is, um, if you want to make an act of kindness, just go for it. Because it could basically make somebody's day, week, month, year, whatever it is. You could make them happy for a long time. And that's how this has made me. It's just made me happy. And I've been, I've been happy since I got that pants. And basically... Um, what I want to say about that is um, when people make donations, they'll probably they'll probably just throw an article of clothing in there and say, here, this is for anybody. But that, that person, he's a wonderful person, and he actually took the time to write a note for somebody. Yeah. And out of all the people I got that note, he actually wanted to meet the person who got that note. And I don't know, it's just it's unbelievable. <laughs> That's such a great story. Um, are you, do you, have you done a lot of writing at home? Is that something you're passionate about, or did this 
sort of uh, ignite that spark to do some writing? Um, the thing that um, ignited my spark for like writing and media stuff was uh, my previous program at Media Arts Production at uh, SAS Polytech, Prince Albert ah, Campus. Okay. I actually took that, but I couldn't finish because um, like, I kept falling behind on my assignments because there's so much. I wasn't ready for college because um, I was only 18 at the time. And um, basically that's, well, I didn't want to grow up and stuff. And um, I actually have to, f I still have to face that to this day. Hmm. Like I'm still trying to face the fact that I have to grow up. And um, well, anyways, about that program, we got taught uh, like script writing and um, photography, still imaging. And um, after that, I started, um, I wrote some stuff at home, like um, just like little stories and stuff. Mm -hmm. and. I actually left that notepad at home. I would have like showed it, yeah. but um, I actually left it at home because um, because of the day the, of the evacuation, I couldn't find most of my stuff, so I just brought as much as I can. And uh, I've been into writing. And uh, actually, when I was 13 years old, I had like a microphone and uh, a voice uh, software, audio yeah. software. Yeah. And um, basically, I put some stuff together and then like posted on YouTube because I was bored. <laughs> and that was my. That was my fun time when I was younger, and I actually still want to do that to this day. You're not that old yet. you still got some time left. Yeah, i got lots of time. <laughs> I have a feeling that this being evacuated has kind of forced you to grow up in many ways. Um, yeah, it actually has, because before I got evacuated, um, like I was actually this kind of uh, stay-home and not talk to anybody kind of person huh. but ever since this happened I've uh, I've actually sprouted out of my antisocial shell mm -hmm. and I've been speaking to mostly everybody here having good conversations and uh, basically just mingling I guess <laughs> just walking around here and doing what I can to keep my keep um, keep myself busy what's life like for you at home on on a normal day what keeps you there um basically my xbox <laughs> <laughs> yes but that could travel with you anywhere you choose to stay there right now how come um um i don't know i guess that's like my comfort zone mm -hmm. <laughs> and basically here i haven't i haven't touched it at all and i gotta say i feel i feel good about not being not being who i was at home so basically, this actually this actually changed me a bit. I should think so. How much time did you have to evacuate? Um, well, uh, basically, we didn't have to rush because um, most of us were like sitting around, we were trying to find out news, and then we finally took off around six in the evening. Um, I guess the way it started is uh, we have a fire hall back at home, and um, it. Uh, Whenever there's a warning, like any natural disaster or anything, there's a siren that triggers. And it triggered around 11 or 12. And um, basically, we're just like getting ready. Within the hour, we got all our stuff ready. But for five hours, we were like <laughs> sitting around and trying to find out some news and stuff like that. And yeah, it, it wasn't exactly a rushed evacuation. We were just yeah. uh, we just took our time. So okay. So. Are you looking forward to going home, or is this kind of bittersweet that you'll have to leave this environment, which has sort of been a pretty cool experience for you? 
Um, I'm actually gonna be a little disappointed once I go home because the people here are like so nice. They're like, um, I, I've said this a lot, but, um, like, we're not a bunch of just different communities and nations, we're actually just one family. Mm-hmm. And that's what I always want to pass on to people. Like, this, all these forest fires, they've made us come together as one nation, as it should be. Yeah. Because before it never really was like this, like, no teamwork, no nothing whatsoever. But now this brought us together as one team, one nation, one family. So are you going to keep in touch with a lot of the people here after you all go home? Um, uh, yeah. Um, I'm going to keep in touch with everybody and, like, see what updates, see what events are coming forward to this community so I could attend them. Yeah. So, um, I was actually thinking of planning, like, a community gathering, not only for Beardies and Hall Lake, but, um, every other community around us so we could come together as one again but this time with no natural disasters in the way just us having fun and connecting as a nation and as it should be you know yep. I wish I had some more recording equipment that I could leave with you so you could hang out and do podcasts with everybody and start your own series yeah that that actually does sound like um, as cheesy as it sound would, would sound to other people that actually sounds like a dream come true it's not cheesy i'm doing it i can i can uh, i can attest to the fact that it's a pretty cool uh it's a pretty cool experience to do because i get to talk to people like you you're you're a fascinating person you've you've made the most out of a situation that could be an absolute awful experience for somebody yeah it's basically been uh it's been stressful for some of us but um it hasn't been that stressful because mm-hmm. um the coordinators and the volunteers they planned events just for us to keep us like entertained and stuff and um i don't know i actually haven't felt like a, a one little bit of stress here Good. since i've been here I have a feeling you'll find your way back to communications and broadcasting somehow. You seem to have it in you. Uh, yeah, I've actually been, um... I've actually never had this, um, enthusiasm, enthusiasm before. But now I have it because, um... I guess this prepared me, I guess. <laughs> and, um, I actually do when I get back into communications and media. And broadcasting if I was able to. Because that really does sound like a, a dream job to me. You'll do it. I have no I have no doubt you will do it. Even if it's at home, I, I, I'll still do it, like, by myself. Yeah. Like, tell little stories or talk about other stuff, even play music if I had to, and just to give that little break, think about something else to say. I have, like, visitors, and I'll get them to... I'll force them to guest star on there. Yeah. <laughs> Clarence, thank you so much for talking to me. It's great to meet you. Oh yeah, it's been, this has been wonderful. Okay, I'm Joyce Knight. I'm with the mental health team with the Beardies uh, Willow Cree Health. Okay, so you live here on the reserve? No, actually I travel in from Saskatoon. Oh, okay. Yeah, every day. So you're coming here, here every day since the evacuees arrived? Uh, I try to. Actually, we have different shifts. We have schedules where um, 
we're providing the mental health support. You know, so there's schedules. There's um, um, we take turns. Right. Yeah. And so, what kind of help have you been finding that people mostly need while they're here in this kind of bizarre scenario? Um, I think a lot of it is providing the support mentally, uh, emotionally, and also um, giving them that little bit of hope, you know, of uh, understanding their situation, the crisis that they're experiencing and enduring, because it's so tragic, you know, you listen to their stories and it's so traumatic and very tragic for a lot of them, you know, who have never left their communities. And there's a lot of homesickness where they want to go back, they want to go home. And for a lot of them, it's been two weeks, you know, so... Have you talked to anyone who has actually lost their home in any of the fires? Um, Right now, no. It's kind of like fear of the unknown, you know... Even for myself, it's a bit overwhelming, you know, uh, listening to their stories and actually saying, I don't even know if I have a home. I don't know what to expect when I return back to the community. So it's a lot of mixed emotions. Um, Do you have to cover that scenario then? Or, I mean, one doesn't want to dismiss that, right? And say, mm-hmm. well, let's not think about that right now. So do you have to prepare them for the fact that that may be the case? And if you do, what do you say mm-hmm. to somebody? I think one of the things is getting the information. You know, we've got a good we've got a good uh, communication department here. So uh, they're kind of, uh, it's an up-to-date you know, two or three times a day, they're communicating with people from their home communities, and we try to keep that open for them, you know, to have that contact. And we take it as it is, you know, whatever we hear or whatever the tragedy that we, um, or that they experience or encounter, we're here to support and we're here to help them out, you know, so. On the brighter side of things, I was just talking with Clarence, have you Mm -hmm. encountered people who... Um, for whom this experience has actually brought them out of their shell, that it's been that it's been quite a positive event for them. I think it's um, it's been very uh, like I, I'm really surprised because a lot of them have actually asked for help, have actually come out and uh, said, "I need to talk to someone. Do you have time?" Or I really need debriefing, or I really need to vent. You know, and that's a good thing, a positive thing. Now, I'm not sure if it's because of the cultural, you know, the language barrier. You know, as when you're speaking with someone with that understands the language and the, you know, First Nations mm-hmm. uh, therapist, I think that's a bonus for us. Mm-hmm. So I think they feel more comfortable in in expressing, you know, their experiences in that and asking for help. There's a lot of little kids running around us mm-hmm. while we talk. Do you find that the kids are perhaps more resilient than oh, the adults are? They are. They are very resilient. Yeah. They have an idea of what's happening, but I think they're the ones who give us the hope. You know, they're playing, they're laughing, they're safe, they're fed, they're, you know, they're in a safe place. And, and, that's, and that's, that's a good thing, you know, to be able to see that. 
how are you able to distance yourself when you leave here and go back to Saskatoon each time to I mean you have to sort of debrief yourself yeah how, how what's that process like for you well we've got a good mental health team you know so I know when I leave here I'm just disheartened you know over the weekend you're worrying uh, when I left here last week um, there was only 50 people 50 people and then this week now there's 200 so it's and with the 50 people, you know, um, I, I got to know a lot of them. And a lot of them I see this week, and it's, it, I worried about them. You know, their well-being and how they're doing, are they sleeping well, you know. And I could just see that the pain, the heartbreak, the, um, the homesickness they, they feel, I feel that. And that's hard. But uh, I'm glad, I, I'm blessed that I get to go home and right. I'm able to sleep in my own bed and I'm thankful and I'm grateful. So, um. right. Some are going home now. Um, are you having to work with them as they transition or are they, are they moving out of here when they, when they do get the notice that they get to go home? Is it uh-huh. fairly quick? Do you get a chance to say goodbye to them at all um, yeah yeah, yeah we will yeah as a matter of fact we're doing a little wellness group this afternoon it's kind of like just to give them a chance to vent and then their expectations and what they've heard from their home communities and when 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 they could go home you know is what they're they're phoning they're they're contacting the people back home so uh, it'll be interesting to see how many get to go home I mean, you're happy for them, and, you know, it's... Do you have family um, living in any of the communities that have been evacuated? Uh, No, I don't. No, no, I don't. But I do have a lot of friends whose families are up there. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it is, but I feel that because it's our people, you know, you have that uh, instant connection to, to have empathy and compassion for for um, the people you work with and the people that you've come to know. Is this the first time you've worked in an evacuee scenario? Mm, Yes, it is. This is my first experience. So do you have to go through a specific kind of, I don't want to say training, but do you have to, is is there at least some kind of briefing session for you going into this? Is there a special skill set that you need to need, need here that you might not need elsewhere? Yeah. I think you need... Um, what we've been trained as is in the CISM, Critical Incident Stress Management. So you're aware of the diffusing and the briefing that needs to take place. So I, uh, that has helped me a lot. So that has, ma- that has allowed me to put that into practice. You know, and it's... Uh, it's, um, it's nice to see that it works. You know, being able to to um, to put into practice what you've learned. Yes, I would expect that learning a process mm-hmm. on paper is one thing, but then yeah. to finally be experiencing it, yeah. uh, probably the best education in that process oh, you could is. have. Yeah, everything's theory, and putting into practice is something else, and to actually see how it works and how it rolls out. But yeah, how long have you been working in the mental health? 
Um, I've, I've just started here in Beardies. <clears throat> I wanted to work in a First Nation community. So I've been here since March. Um, but I've been in school. I've, I've taken the master's program mm -hmm. in Indigenous Studies. So mm -hmm. an Indigenous Social Work program. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's I've wanted to come back. You know, because I know the language, I know the culture. I'm familiar with a lot of the cultures in Saskatchewan. So um, I think I have that advantage to be able to connect with the people and to be able to, to help them and reach out. Well, they're very fortunate to have you. I can tell that you, that you care a lot about this work. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good to meet you. Oh, you too. I'm with another Kevin now. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. And you are Kevin? I am Kevin Cisquesis, and I'm a counselor with the Beardies Nokomastas First Nation. I was elected in March of 2014 uh, oh, by okay. our community, in our community's uh, general election. So, yeah, it's been a humbling and uh, humbling experience and certainly one that's been filled with a lot of, uh, a lot of lessons and certainly just a lot of um, interesting challenge. Hey, it's Kevin. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Just a quick reminder that the Sascapes podcast is available for free on your favorite podcast app, or you can stream it from your browser. Check out the show notes for the link. On the Sascapes homepage, you'll notice something new under the logo called Sascapes Plus. You can't miss it. There's a big button saying support with a heart icon next to it. I'd love it if you could click on that button and help keep this podcast series going. When Sascapes launched in May 2014, it was the first podcast in the province celebrating arts, culture, and heritage. In fact, you'd have been pretty hard-pressed to find any Saskatchewan podcast. So I'd like to think that we paved the way. It's been because of your support that this podcast is now in its ninth year. Okay, that's it. Enjoy the rest of the episode. One currently that you would have not anticipated when you <laughs> took this on is the evacuee situation yeah. that we've experienced. How has that changed the environment um, here for you? Well, I, I wouldn't say it's changed the environment. Our community has always been a very welcoming community and very hospitable community. We've always tried to do and, and look out for one another and, and do you know what's needed. Um, so in terms of changing the environment, I wouldn't say it's changed. I would certainly say it's brought out um, a lot of the, the, the finer and better qualities in our community, uh, very compassionate, very welcoming, very generous. So um, we've always seen that in our community, but I think this is another opportunity where our people have that chance to highlight that and do some good for, for some people who are obviously experiencing uh, tremendous stress and, uh, you know, turbulence in their life. So, yeah. Right. Was it you that dubbed this we're across the street now from the arena, but yeah. it's been it's been dubbed Red Res Cross. Red Cross. Yes, uh, no, no, that didn't start with me. Um, we were initially Nietzsche Cross, uh, oh. you know, just friends helping friends. Uh -huh. But uh, but at the end, um, the our emergency management coordinator um, received a text from somebody in Lloyd Minster. They were at the Chuck Reagan races or something. I can't Onion Lake. And I texted her and said, hey, people are talking about what you guys are doing and they're calling it Res Cross. So um, it just stuck. It just stuck. It was it was a little bit better than 
um, Nietzsche Cross and Res Cross just, uh, it just stuck. So we've been Res Cross since then and um, people have uh, responded very, very favorably to it. So how did that first um, initial point of contact happen where it was decided that you would house evacuees? Um, about two weeks ago, two weeks ago today, actually, uh, I met with um, our chief and our council and um, I brought up the idea about potentially housing and hosting individuals or just doing something. Um, and uh, the chief and council gave me the go ahead to to begin the process and to connect with the Red Cross and, and whatnot. Um, we didn't end up um, receiving the type of support from the res, uh, Red Cross that we had initially hoped for, mm-hmm. um, but that's fine. Um, so it was about then that it was when kind of LaRange started being evacuated that a lot of talk in our community on Facebook and, and phone calls and whatnot, messages, text messages, everything, people started saying, you know, we can do something. We have the capacity to do things. Mm-hmm. We began looking at our facilities and kind of just doing an initial assessment. And we were hoping that we could have utilized all of our facilities. But unfortunately, all of our schools are undergoing major renovations right mm-hmm. now during the summer or during the off season. So um, we looked at our arena and some of the other remaining facilities, and we determined that you know we could um, host up to 200 people. So we contacted um, Prince Albert Grand Council. We contacted FSIN, and I was in, in touch with um, uh, Grand Chief Ron Michel from PAGC, as well as uh, Chief Kimberly Jonathan from the FSIN, and we started talking. And then I ended up going to two um, two meetings and. You know, two of their briefings and update meetings that uh, PAGC hosts. And we just started talking about what, what we had available. And it just started ballooning from there and going from there. That day we launched, or the day before, pardon me, we had launched Operation Pitch-In, which was our community's effort to really kind of sustain this whole process. Uh, we collected so much donations, food, uh, toiletries, bedding, mattresses, clothing, so much clothing, mountains of clothing. No kidding. <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah. So it was, um, it, that all happened within a day. And then from there, um, we made the determination after meeting with PAGC and whatnot that, um, that we were going to be officially designated. The PAGC was going to, um, designate us as an official evacuation center through them uh, and not through the Red Cross. So, um, that came about and then things just kind of went viral as you would say from, from then I released a video just explaining kind of what, what our center was about and what we were doing. And then people, people really just took to it. And, you know, now we're we're the largest non-Red Cross center in Saskatchewan and we're hosting any changes from day to day, of course, but, uh, anywhere between 160 and 180 people are at, uh, are at Res Cross. So, you know, we're just, um, glad that people have recognized the the hospitality and the support that we provide, and we're just going to keep on keep on doing it. I was speaking with one of the evacuees um, who said that this environment was infinitely more welcoming um, mm-hmm. than the last evacuation mm-hmm. that he experienced. Mm-hmm. So I'm gathering that that's a testament to the the general culture of of your community. Uh, I would think so. Um, the Indian way, that's, that's yes. what we've typically referred to it as. You know, we, we feel that we know how to best meet the needs of, of First Nations people, being First Nations, of course. Um, th- there's just a certain touch that we have that makes people feel welcome, and I'm glad that we're able to provide that. You know, things like culturally appropriate food. 
right? I mean, one guy, when we, um, the first day that we opened our, not the center, but the first day that we opened the kitchen, when we got to about the 70, 60 or 70 mark, we realized that we couldn't house, we couldn't feed people from the facilities at the arena anymore. So we started moving them, transporting them at mealtimes to our rec center. Anyways, um, one of the new evacuees had just joined us. He saw the buses and one not leaving, and he said, oh, that, they must be going to the center. But he showed up just in time for lunch. Not lunch, it was dinner time, sorry. And uh, he came in, he ate, he introduced himself to us, and we had moose stew that evening, moose stew and mm. panic and whatnot. Oh. He came by and he... Came on the wrong night. Yeah, <laughs> you did. Um, <laughs> and he stopped by and he was like, are you Kevin? And you know, he introduced himself and... He said, yeah, I'm, I'm an evacuee. I'm, I'm going to be coming here. I'm from Hall Lake. And he said, this is the first home-cooked actual meal I've had in a week and a half. He said, I've been wow. eating hot dogs and fries and nuggets and chicken wow. and subs and pizza. And he said, this was so amazing that I could have a home-cooked meal. And, and you know, we're cooking for 70 people. at that. By that time, we we're cooking for 70 or 80 people. So... Just the fact that he considered this meal, which was mass produced, but still considered it home cooked meal, mm-hmm. that was really, really touching for us. And that really just reinforced that whole idea of, you know, good people helping good people and providing it in a way that only we know how. And I, I think that's the Indian way. And and you know, that that really reinforced to all of us that we're doing something good and that we'll continue to do it. And it motivated us a lot to, to try and do better so yeah i don't know if i'll keep this in the podcast or not but That's just right. on a personal note um it was it was an obvious choice that i knew that i wanted to come here and crystal emailed me and mm-hmm. we were both on the same line of thinking mm-hmm. but i was also mindful of the fact that media has just been clamoring over <laughs> all of the shelters mm-hmm. has it been um invasive to have them or are you are you happy to have that coverage um it hasn't been invasive we've been very very um diligent in ensuring that the media did not treat this whole situation like a like a fishbowl you know we wanted to make sure that um our guests felt comfortable they felt secure and that they didn't have people you know knocking on their door saying hey what are you doing what's going on right how do you feel there have been a few people who have stepped up to the plate and wanted to share their story, and and we're grateful for that because it does obviously add that personal touch. People want to know what it's like for for people, and there have been some evacuees, some of our guests who have stepped up and said, "Yes, I'll you know I'll participate, I'll do this." Um, that would be I'll, Clarence. That would be Clarence, <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah. And he's been great, and and there have been others as well. But um, for the most part, the media haven't been um, too pushy or demanding. They've certainly, they've asked and we've said yes or no to the specific request that mm-hmm. they've had. But uh, on the whole, it's been good. The media has really um, been fascinated with our with our specific story. And, and we're glad that um, people can see us doing it on our own, right? We're glad that we can showcase and demonstrate that um, our people know how to do it best and... Um, we're glad that we can just be that home away from home that these people want, need, and and expect. Right? Um, they're they're familiar and comfortable with a certain level of support, and um, the 
<laughs> there they are. Um, <laughs> and uh, the Red Cross is doing tremendous work. They're doing fantastic work. Um, there were, of course, some initial hiccups just because of the the, the logistics of evacuating. Yeah. You know, seven or eight thousand people. That's that's a lot of effort. So. There were some hiccups and we just wanted to be there to support their efforts and hopefully relieve a little bit of stress um, that their volunteers and staff were experiencing and, and their facilities, right? I mean, sending people all the way to Cold Lake, it's not an easy decision, but it was a decision that they had to make. And, you know, the chief of uh, Lac Grange in your band, uh, Chief Tammy Cook-Searson, um, took that decision with in consultation with many, many groups and many organizations, but... And we support that, right? That That's her decision, and we support her decision to do that. Um, but we just wanted to make sure that people felt um, a certain familiarity and comfort in coming to a First Nation, another First Nation, right? We know how to do it best, the Indian way, and I'm mm-hmm. going to refer to that several times, but yeah. The Indian way, the Indian way is is a way of generosity, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that that's the way you move through life, mm-hmm. but... You're human. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you've got to somehow turn off the intensity level um, <laughs> of all of this that's happening. Is that hard for you? Absolutely. Certainly the adrenaline has been going, and then we've our, our, our core volunteer team, our leadership team, has been going at it for a week and a half now. And, you know, obviously everybody's getting... Um, the adrenaline is slowing down. I'll say yeah. that. I'll say uh-huh. that. The adrenaline is slowing down, but the the motivation and desire to continue doing good work is still there. Um, so, yeah, yeah it is have, what it is. What yeah, it is. Right. We're we're ensuring that uh, our mental health team from our from our clinic is working with all of our volunteers and our leadership team, as well as all of our guests. So you know that 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 self that self care that self preservation that yeah. time that people need. I took all day Sunday off. I took all day Sunday off and and I was in Saskatoon for meetings on Monday morning, so I had a little bit I had a little bit of time. Our, some of our volunteers, one of our, our our main emergency management coordinator, um I think it was Saturday, Friday evening left and left and was gone all day Saturday. So, you know, she went to Lloydminster and went and did the horse races and chuck wagon things. So, uh, I went to the beach. <laughs> Others have um just some I spoke with uh, another volunteer, and they said they just stayed in bed and mm-hmm. watched TV and just powered down, and that's good. That's mm-hmm. really, really good. That's good for self care. That's good for the you know the preservation of some form of sanity because yeah. this is it is a twenty four seven operation, and we're going pretty hard. We're um, we're running on um, there's all kinds of demands being pulled in all every which direction. So. It's good that our people are getting the attention that they need and taking the time off away from this that they need as well. So, yeah. Will there be a bit of a bittersweet feeling or grieving feeling uh, process when everybody leaves? Everyone gets to go home. You know, we've made fantastic friends. We've yeah. made family members that we didn't know from you know right across the northern part of this province, and that's that truly is going to be um, the sad part is seeing our friends and our our newfound family seeing them leave that's going to be um that's going to be certainly um a sad moment for all of us but uh, as you said it will be a bittersweet uh, a bittersweet moment Kevin, will... <laughs> see that's how yeah. demand in yeah. demand you are yeah. being, pulled being pulled 8 million different ways but um um but again this is um this is just an opportunity for us to do good for people and yeah. 
um, we'd like to ensure that our support um, continues beyond this. And we'll organize fundraisers when they go home because, you know, some of them are going home to no home. Some of them are going home to smoke damage. You know, all their clothing is going to be ruined, their furniture, you know, this, yeah. you know, carpets are going to have to be cleaned. This is a, going to be a very challenging time for them going home. So the work doesn't end when they leave. Right. So is it going to be bittersweet? No, it's not going to be bittersweet. It's not going to be bittersweet. It's going to be a sad moment, but it's going to be also um, an opportunity for us to recommit to further helping these people because they're going home to some some more challenges and, and we're just committed to ensuring that they have the support that they need to to move on with their lives. You're being pulled away. There's <laughs> several other questions I want to ask you, okay. but you're being pulled away. I can come back if you want. Um, well, it was just, just one more. Okay. Do you feel changed by this experience personally? Um, that's a good question. Do I feel changed? I've learned things about people. I've learned things that um, I, I'm glad to have been... So I'm not, I, I should, I should clarify this. My role has just been general overseer, right? I just mm -hmm. make sure that things happen and pull resources in from different agencies. Um, I'm a counselor with the First Nations. So administration, I, I consider myself a fairly competent organizer. I'm a good motivator and communicator and rallier of sorts. Mm -hmm. I, I like to rally people and motivate people, but there are people who are the real doers of this operation brenda c sequasis who's our emergency management coordinator jerry sutherland who is um incredible administrator and just phenomenal volunteer as well uh serena gamble rosanna sutherland shelly sutherland carolee gamble you know all of these people who've just donated so much of their time given of themselves given up their family lives and, and really nicole gamble as well another one i should put imelda c sequasis so many people who have done so much good. Um, I've seen them. I've learned from them. Have I changed? Doing good is something I've always, that's always been me. Um, I've learned things about people. I've mm -hmm. watched people, their capabilities. Um, I've learned that there's so much good in our community and people want to genuinely do good things. Have I changed as a result of that? It's made me appreciate our community even more. It's made me recognize again that our community, the beauty is Nokomasa's First Nation and our people are capable of incredible things when we come together and that uni unity. We've had a lot of opportunities to be unified in the past and we have, um, and I'm incredibly proud of those moments. This is another Thing that makes me proud to be from Beardies is our compassion, our commitment to giving of oneself and each other and to each other. Um, I haven't changed because this was always part of me. I've always given of myself. I believe in that sense of service. Um, but I've learned things about people. I've learned that our community is pretty amazing. I've learned that I think we could all learn something from living life the Indian way. I would say that's probably a fairly accurate assessment. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. No problem. Thanks. It's been great. And thank you for highlighting, you know, what we're doing. And again, we, we pray for the people of the North um, that they find some measure of comfort both here and wherever they are. And 
that this whole situation will be resolved soon and that you know we'll all again come together and support each other in those times of needs because there is going to be more need moving on right this is just this is just the first part there's the second piece that we have to look at and that's ensuring a healthy and positive transition back into their way of life and and that's going to be another challenge so we'll be there thank you yeah great thank you so much kevin i appreciate it thanks for listening the sascapes podcast is created and hosted by kevin power for sas culture funding to the cultural sector is provided through the saskatchewan lotteries trust fund for sport culture and recreation for more information visit iheartculture.ca and sasculture.ca. Music for Sascapes is provided by Saskatchewan-born singer-songwriter Jeffrey Straker. There's no end to the stories to be told. So, until next time... <laughs>